Jesus, I'm drowning. Jesus, help, save me. Jesus, save me. We are dying. The disciples were crying out. I'm going to preach. I'm going to share um, with you from Matthew 8, 23 to 27. Jesus stepped into the boat. And the disciples were following him. As they were traveling across the lake, the ferocious, the furious storm began to be stirred up. And the waves were strong and the water began to beat into the, the, the boat and the disciples were afraid. The next sentence is only four words. But Jesus was sleeping. Contrasting <laughs> response and situation. But Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples came and woke him up. Jesus, help us, save us, we are drowning. Oh, we are dying. And Jesus woke up. The Bible says that he woke up and he told them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? What kind of response is that from our beloved Savior? Have you wondered? How unkind. You have no compassion, Jesus. There's storms and waves. Can't you see that? And you were sleeping. And all you did when you woke up is to tell them, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? They have every reason to be afraid. Right? In our natural mind, thinking, yeah. How can you say such a thing? Very often we criticize or judge out of context. Let me just take you through why did Jesus say that to them? He didn't say it because he did not love them. He gave his, his life to them. How can he not love them? And just rewind a little bit. Just before the incidents, before Jesus stepped into the boat, taking them across, just before that, we knew that the disciples would be Jesus and um, there were in the evening, there were many that came that were possessed with spirits and the many that were sick. And Jesus, the Bible said, read the word, all right? Read the word, make sure that I get it right. Many at one word, the Bible said, at a word, they were delivered and they were healed. Amen. And just that before the evening, that morning, Peter's mother-in-law was sick with fever. And Jesus touched his mother-in-law and she was healed. She was delivered, healed from the fever, right? Let me take you one more testimony before that. And we all, a lot of us know the story of the centurion, right? Um, the centurion came, and when Jesus entered in the Capernaum, the, the centurion came to him, Lord, 
My servant is paralyzed and severely in sickness. He come, you know. Um, then Jesus asked him and said, do you want me? Shall I come and heal him? And the centurion said, no, Lord. I'm not, I don't deserve for you to come to my house. At mention of your word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus was amazed. He said that, I have traveled throughout Israel. I have not met a man with such great faith. And the centurion told Jesus, I am also a man under authority. I have soldiers under me. If I tell them to go there, they will go. Come here, they will come. I have servants under me. If I ask them to do this, they will do this. And do that, and they will do that. And Jesus told him, So it shall be done according to what you have said. At that very moment, at that very moment, the servant was healed. Though the servant wasn't present at a mention of Jesus' word, he was healed. So at this morning, if you have situation that not with you, you have family, you have situation, you know that our words have no geographic limitation and have prophetic implication and has no time limitation. What we say with authority aligned to the kingdom of God has power. At that time, the very moment, the servant was healed. Let me take you further. Next was that, you know, Jesus came down from the mountainside. The Bible says the crowd... They were following him, right? Great crowd was following him. And there was this leper that came and knelt down and said, Jesus, if you are willing, heal me. And Jesus told him, I am willing. All he said was, be clean. Instantly. The man with leprosy was healed. And you have seen this powerful scenario. uh, uh, The disciples witnessed all this healing at a word. At a word, they were healed. They were delivered. They were cleansed. And yet, they followed Jesus into the boat with all this commotion happening, they could have said, Jesus, at a word, you can stop the storms. And, but they were afraid. They are saying, oh, we are dying. Oh, no, we are drowning, Jesus. It is not what we are speaking to, but where we are speaking from. Where are we at today? Can we join Jesus sleeping in that peace? How did Jesus do that? Why was he not disturbed by the storms and the waves? And then Jesus got up after he told them, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Have you not seen what I have done? Won't you with me? Didn't you witness that? 
He wasn't there to please them. He was there to disciple them, to become like him. Then Jesus didn't leave them there. Serve you right because you have little faith. I leave you alone. Solve it yourself. He got up. He rebuilt the winds and the waves. The Bible said that it was completely calm. And the disciples said, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves, the storms obeyed him. What kind of man? Do we believe as Christian in a God and yet think that he functioned like us, like a man? Do we know the Christ that we are serving? I think as disciples, they were following Jesus. From the word, from chapter 8, verse 23, and then go to the very start, verse 1, the crowd, they were following Jesus. I think it's time huh, that we stop just following we are called to abide in Him. We have been following for far too long, but Jesus says, come and abide in me. Before GPS, before we have all this navigation, we used to convoy, who knows that? Like, okay, we're going to a certain party or beaches or whatever. We have two, three cars, four cars convoying, each other following. And somehow, somewhere, someone get lost. <laughs> have you experienced that? I did. So I, I thought that was the car. And I followed. I thought it was you. Then we went somewhere. Where are you now? You know, I'm here. Where were you? You know, I thought you were behind me. You know, we get lost because we lose sight. We think that was the car. We think that was our friend. And, and as disciples, we're just falling. Oh, I thought Jesus said this. Oh, I, I, through my experience, I think we, we begin to um, negotiate according to our perception and understanding. But Jesus says that, hey, it's time to stop following, but Come and abide in me. Come stay in me. Jesus could sleep in the stormy um, environment because he was abiding in his Father. And I want to share with you From John 14, verse 7 say, it says that, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then verse 9, it says, Anyone who has seen me 
has seen the Father. Verse 10, it says, The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Do you know what? Jesus said that if we are in Christ, we are meant to say the same thing. It's pretty tall order, isn't it? You know, it's scary to, to come and tell someone, if you see me, if you know me, you know my father. If you see me, you've seen Jesus. You see me experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh my, it's scary. And, and authority that resides in us. That's why in John 15, 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> That's why you and I, apart from him, we can do nothing. We can try and try and do this and that. But you know what? The enemy lied to Adam and Eve from the very start. Did God really say that, you know, did God really say you would die? No, surely you won't die. He cut them off from the eternal life, eternal food. We can, the enemy also is trying to lie to us. No, you can still do something. You are very clever. You have all these abilities. You know, apart from Christ, you can still do something. But the things that we do will come to an end. It has no eternal fruit. It doesn't last only for a season. But if we do things in Him, the fruit will last. That's why we need to abide in Christ. He has conquered. He has provided. He made it possible for you and I. So we need to abide in Him. And in John 15, 6 to 10, only six verses, out of the six verses, the abide was mentioned 10 times. Six verses, 10 times. We are ushering in. You know, the Spirit of God doesn't enforce you, doesn't force you or manipulate you. The Spirit of God is always an invitation. He sent you an invite, come to my party. You're invited, you know? Everyone is invited. There's no hierarchy. You're greater, you are not as great. You are this, you are that. But everyone is invited. But it's up to you to respond. But when we respond, we call RSVP, I'm coming, we better turn up. <laughs> so it's an invitation. The Spirit of God is inviting you today. Come. You are sons and daughters. You are sons and daughters. Come into the Father's house and feast. And, and, I, and I want to read um, to you. From 15, um, 15 verse 6. If 
anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Wow. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. He wants us to bear fruit, right? So that the Father can be glorified. The enemy is light, has lied to you and I. Try, try this, try that. Remember, apart from Him, we can do nothing. And verse 9 is that, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Perfect love cast out all Fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. Now, we need to abide in His love. There's an invitation for us to come and abide. Means to really fix ourselves in that. Follow the instruction. Function out of that. The premise that He has provided. Come. Come. In Him, we live and have our being. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in where? In us. Say, Christ in me. Tell someone, Christ in you. Tell the other person, Christ in you. Tell someone against the Christ in me. The hope of glory is about to burst out. Amen? It's about to burst out. It's about to flow out of me because I have accepted his invitation today. I have accepted my father's invitation. I am coming to the father's house for a big party and feast from all that he has provided me. I am no longer the same because something has been unlocked, unhindered. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not just in me, not only that I have Christ, does Christ have me? We can have Christ, but does he have you and I? In him, I live and have my being. Tell yourself, in him, I live and have my being. When we abide, when we accept the invitation today, right? I want to conclude with verse 11. A very powerful verse. Verse 11, it says that these things I have spoken to you, 
that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is in our strength. It's our strength. Do you know when Jesus was at Gethsemane, he prayed. He prayed. He knelt down and he was praying. And we knew that the angel of the Lord came and strengthened him. Right? At the start, um, the verse told us that he has gathered his disciples and said, Come, come and pray. Lest you fall into temptation. Temptation is everywhere, outside and inside. We are always very tempted to fall in, into our own perception, our own way of trying things. Lest you fall into temptation, come. And, and we knew that, that the disciples followed him to the mountain. And Jesus Prayed a stone's throw away, the Bible said. Not far. He's always bringing them, not just doing it himself. He demonstrated and he coached them. Do it, do it. You see what I do, do it, right? And he was praying as he was praying. He was praying that, Father, it was the request. Father, if it be your will, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will. He moved from a request, a petition, to submission to the Father's will. Right? He, before he died on the cross, he died at Gethsemane already. He died to his personal will. Without that, I don't think he was able to be at the cross, fulfill what the Father has, what his mission on earth. So he tell the disciples, follow, he told them, don't let you fall into temptation. After he prayed, he came back and he saw his disciples sleeping. They were sleeping, they were exhausted. Who's supposed to be more exhausted? And he told them another time, wake up, get up, pray, lest you fall into temptation. We are so tempted always to think small, think less of ourselves. Thinking less of ourselves help no one. Because God has provided everything for us to think how precious we are, that He would pay, He would pay with His life for you and I. No greater friend, the Bible said that, that one that laid down His life for you and I. He laid down His life for us so that we can come. No longer do we need to follow Him, but we come and abide in that love. In verse 11, said, Your joy may be full. That was in New King James. And in NIV, it said that your joy may be complete. Full is like too over. Can't, I can't feel it anymore. It's already full. If I feel some more, it will overflow, right? It's like, um, yeah, in NIV, it said this complete. This bottle is complete. But you read Amplified Version. It says, if you read the Passion Translation, you may be full. You may be complete. Lacking nothing, but not just that, you will begin to overflow. Overflow. Casey City Church, we are recalibrating this year to recalibrate for overflow. And we are not contented that we are full. 
complete. We want our, to bless to be a blessing. We want to be overflowing in abundance in every sense of the word, not just in finance, in the gifts of the Spirit. In the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is given to you and I so that we can bless others. We can equip others. Today, the Lord is unlocked. He has unlocked the door. Let the glory in you begin to overflow from you. Enough is enough. Enemy has lied to you. Enough is enough. Amen. Amen. That my joy may be full, complete, and overflowing.